You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You have to live your Christian life in light of resurrection. You have to view suffering, and we're talking about suffering in the will of God, in light of resurrection. Otherwise, it can be very discouraging by what you have to go through as a Christian. And so you have to view the suffering in the will of God in light of resurrection. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. He saw beyond the cross. Living life as a believer was never promised to be easy. In fact, Jesus said there are things that will make a life lived in obedience and faith to Him harder than before you believed. Believers should expect difficult circumstances, rejection, and persecution. However, as Pastor Danny explains today, if you live in light of the future everlasting life to come, it'll make difficulties in this life easier to bear. Knowing the blessings God will bestow on you if your faith is in Him should fill you with peace, hope, and encouragement. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Matthew chapter 16 as he begins his message, How to Save Your Own Life. We are right now reading through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I felt led to go to Matthew chapter 16, find the chapter, go down to verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day, be raised to life. Peter, you just got to love Peter. Peter took him aside, took Jesus aside, and began to rebuke him. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. That stings. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man, Jesus, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Yeah, this is your life. These are the choices you made. I tell you the truth. 
Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. What does he mean by that? Well, I think it's chapter 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Now, you're going to have to trust me. You compare the gospel accounts, we know one of the things that Moses and Elijah talked to Jesus about here on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration was his soon departure, the cross. Verse 5, while he was still speaking, or verse 4, Peter, again, you got to love Peter, he said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What Jesus is saying is, if it's okay with you, we'll just build some houses and live here. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. In other words, shut up, Peter. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified, but Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. It's a fascinating passage. A few years ago, I was reading through the Gospel of Mark, and I happened to note as I was reading through how many times it's recorded there that Jesus told his disciples about the cross. Leave Matthew just for a quick tour. Mark's gospel, chapter 8, verse 31. This is the sister passage to what I just read in Matthew, but I want you to see it here because Mark adds a little bit for our advantage. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. He then began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this to his disciples. He spoke plainly so they could understand it. That's why Peter took him aside and rebuked him. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. They left that place, passed through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. Important stuff. What's he teaching them? He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They'll kill him. After three days, he'll rise. Mark chapter 10, verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. The disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. They know something bad's about to happen. And he took the 12 aside and he told them what was going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said. The Son of Man, Jesus, will be betrayed to the chief priests, the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Right up to the hours before the cross, Mark chapter 14, the last Passover meal with his disciples, chapter 14, verse 27. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you. He spoke plainly. 
But what they did not hear was resurrection. All they heard was suffering. All they heard was death. They didn't hear resurrection. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this when a new seasoned Bible saints ought to know this very well, and that is you have to live your Christian life in light of resurrection. You have to view suffering, and we're talking about suffering in the will of God, in light of resurrection. Otherwise, it can be very discouraging by what you have to go through as a Christian. And so you have to view the suffering in the will of God in light of resurrection. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. He saw beyond the cross. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 26 says that Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So if you don't get this, and live your Christian life in view of future resurrection, you're going to have a real challenging time making the sacrifices a Christian is called to make. So if you understand that, then the second thing we get from the passage, in understanding this number one, view suffering in light of resurrection, make sure you do not deter anyone else from suffering in the will of God. That's easy to say. But sometimes it's very challenging to live out. Why? <laughs> because who in their right mind, who in their right mind naturally uh, looks forward to somebody else suffering unless you really don't like them? You say to another Christian you love, I'm praying for you, and I pray that the path in front of you hurts like hell. <laughs> I mean, nobody in their right mind. When you love somebody else, wants to see them suffer. But if suffering is in the will of God and the path God is leading him on involves suffering, don't be the one to deter them because unwittingly, unknowingly, Peter was being used by hell, was being used by the enemy to try to deter Jesus. And that's why those stinging words from Jesus, get behind me, Satan, Peter wasn't demon-possessed, but he was being influenced, and he didn't even realize it. Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul, I mean, this guy, (laughs) who'd want to have his life except for the reward that he has in heaven, but my goodness, God warned him ahead of time all that he was going to have to suffer for the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22 Paul tells us here, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going up to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. I mean, how would you like to hear that from the Holy Spirit all the time? I mean, that's the impression you're getting from the Lord. I mean, he's got a string of struggles in his his past, you know, and you'd think the Holy Spirit at some point would say, hey, future's going to get brighter. (laughs) Uh, But that's heaven. That's heaven. And for Paul, it was, hey, rest of this life, hey, looking forward, you just got more suffering ahead. That's what the Holy Spirit's telling him. But look at his attitude. I mean, he says, 
uh, however, verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So he's saying, I'm ready, I'm willing. I got a track record and I want to keep on going, even if it means suffering. But then you get to chapter 21. And as he's traveling on his way to Jerusalem, he, he goes to another area. He, he goes where the disciples are, the church. And it says in verse 4, finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Now, if you don't understand it in the context, you might think the Holy Spirit is saying to them to say to Paul, don't go. But that's not what he's saying. The Holy Spirit is saying to them, these brothers and sisters at this church, things are ahead for Paul that are tough, but they interpret it as don't go. That's not the will of God. How do we know that? Verse 10, Acts 21. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Now, what's going to happen is confirmed by a known prophet. Verse 12, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, get that, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. That's where we've got to come in life with people that we love. You got to come to the place you go, even though I love them and I don't want pain for them, I do not want to hinder them from God's will. And you want to be able to, at some point in the prayer, say, your will be done in their lives. Now, it's easier to do when it's somebody else's family. I pray that a lot easier for your kids. Oh, God, may the will, and God, you know, if they're going to suffer, then, oh, I'm going to pray for them. What about my kids? What about my family? Our prayer request. Listen, and look, you just got to understand this is how we are in the natural. You look at a list of prayer requests, and, and how do they usually go? So-and-so is going into surgery, pray that they have minimal pain or no pain. And we want them healed in a couple of hours after they come out, right? Oh, Lord, heal them quickly. Now, that's why. There's nothing wrong with that because that's the natural thing. You want to pray for somebody to, to, to not suffer, you know? You're not going to pray, I pray it's really tough for you in the hospital. <laughs> I pray you learn something from this, you know? And it, no, come on. <laughs> it's about time somebody teach you a lesson. You know? <laughs> no, if you love them, if you love them, you want, to, you want to pray, oh, God, comfort them and heal them, and oh, God, do give them good, you know? But... Wait a minute, sometimes the will of God is pain. That's a challenge. Let me tell you what's ruining segments of Christianity in America. Ruining segments of Christianity in America. You know what it is? It's called the American dream. 
You know what the American dream is? You know, you can look it up. You know, we, they have cataloged it, what the American dream is. But guess what? You don't have to look it up because I did. I'm going to tell you what it is. Here it is right here. They've got it. Defined. Here it is. A set of ideals in which freedom includes the opportunity for prosperity and success, as well as upward social mobility for the family and children. Here's what happens. We say, I don't want my kids to suffer like I did. I want them to have a better job than I did. I want them to have a nicer house than I had. I want them to have more money than I have. Stop and think about that. That is not Christianity. The best thing for your kids may not be the money you're going to leave them. It may ruin them. You say, good, I didn't want to leave it to them anyway. <laughs> okay, then I just helped you out. But do you understand? Look, I'm, I'm preaching to me just like I'm preaching to you. Listen. The American dream, you can't find it in the pages of this book. It's not there. It's the opposite. We want our kids to have it better than we had, live life easier than we did. Why? Don't you, you want the will of God for your children? Oh, God. May you fulfill your will in them, and even though it may hurt them and may hurt me. Imagine being Mother Mary. God told her early on, there Jesus is just an infant there in Jerusalem. And the prophet comes and speaks and says, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble. He'll be an offense to some. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Can you imagine Mother Mary? She stood at the foot of that cross and watched those Roman soldiers put her own child on the cross. That was God's will for him. And it was brutal for her, absolutely brutal. But it was God's will. It's a challenge. It's a challenge because you love them. You love them, but somewhere by faith, by faith, we got to say, oh, God. May your will be done in their life. No matter what it costs, may your will be done. Now, if you get that, here's the third thing we learned from the passage. You don't let anybody deter you from God's will. And you better know, it could be the people that love you the most. It could be people that love Jesus. They're part of the church. And when you begin to share the way you're being led in life and what you feel God wants you to do, and they all of a sudden go, what? you're going to do what? You're going to sell the business? I thought the business was booming. Well, how are you going to sell it now? You really think that's God? Wait a minute. After you sell the business, you're going to give the money away? What? To the poor? Really? You really think that's God's will? Rich young ruler came to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. He said, well, I've kept those. Good, moral, upstanding guy. Well, there's one more thing you lack. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me, and you will have great riches in heaven. And he went away very sad. 
Why was he sad? Because he wanted what Jesus offered, but he wasn't willing to give up what money could buy for things that money can't buy. And he missed out on the will of God. Don't you let anybody deter you if you know it's God and they think you're out of your mind, then be out of your mind for Jesus. Don't you let anybody talk you out of it. If you know it's God, you take that step. No matter how crazy it may seem, you do it. There's a lot of good reasons for doing it. You know one of the best ones? You know one of the best ones? It's right in the text. You want me to tell you, don't you? Okay? Because the most satisfied people in life are people that are sold out for Jesus. I told you before, and here it goes again. They ask me every week, do you have a title for your message? They ask me on Thursday. I'm like, don't ever ask me again on Thursday. I'm not that far along. I've just started studying. I've got to work this thing out, you know, and sometimes it's a lot more work than others. And you just got to spend hours sometimes going, what, what is it here? And what do you want me to share? And what does it look like on paper? And how do I communicate it? It's a lot of work, I'm telling you. So Thursday, they asked me, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't have a... And finally, Friday afternoon, my wife, my wife, I'm in the house doing my normal thing, you know, trying to pull it together. And she goes, did you send Erica the title of your message? I'm like, oh, man. And I have to go again and look. And I go, I got to come up with a title. God can't anoint it if I don't have a title. So here's the title. If you want the title, here it is. How to save your own life. How to save your own life. And Jesus tells us. You want to save your life? Lose it. But not just lose it. Not just be some crazy, I'm going to lose my life. No, lose it for me. For me, he said. For Jesus. You want to save your life? Lose it for Jesus. Did you hear these words? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses it for me, his life for me, will find it. And then he tells you exactly what he's talking about. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? I want you to understand what he's talking about there. He's not talking about just hell. He's not talking about just eternal damnation. He's talking about life. Your soul. I can't explain it. Who understands it completely? But the soul, that's who you really are in your depth. That's who you are. John chapter 1 tells us in Jesus was life. Life. And that life was the light of men. You want to know what life is all about? You find it in Jesus. And you'll never find it anywhere else. You'll never be satisfied. You can enjoy things, but it'll end. You can have pleasure, but it won't last. You got to keep doing it over and over again. People giving over to lust, they're never satisfied. They got to have more, more, more. But there's something about Jesus. When you become really sold out with Jesus, then you begin to discover and experience in your soul, deep down, you find life that you've always been looking for. Never knew that that's where it is. (laughs) And it makes no sense until you do it. And all of a sudden you realize what he's saying is absolutely true. If I lose my life and get sold out for him, that's when I really begin to find life. Most satisfied people in life are people sold out for Jesus. Doesn't mean you enjoy every part of the path. Jesus didn't enjoy the cross. He scorned the shame. But let me tell you what, when you, when you suffer in the will of God and you come out the other side, you go, I am so glad. 
I'm so glad I made the sacrifice. I'm so glad I didn't give in. I'm so glad I went through with it because it's been worth it all. There are no regrets. We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. More information can be found on our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is a powerful tool to combat fear and to promote peace in Jesus. Please pray that each person that hears these messages from the life of Jesus are touched and changed by His love. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the living Word? If you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and then click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share this good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website, one more time, is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here on The Living Word.